Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of $15,178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. You got your jack, you know how you do it. You know what I'm saying? Keeping it all the way live. Broadcasting live from Hutchinson, Kansas. Well, I'm sitting here with a linguist. I had no idea. <laughs> I love I didn't that. know you were, but I didn't know that you were a wordsmith. <laughs> Call Jiggy right now. 267-22 Jiggy. Daddy Hey Jiggy, what's happening, man? Reminds me of that uh, David Bowie song. Jiggy Blake Guitar. Jeff, it's a great name, man. Thanks so much for having me on the show. Presenting. I'm, I'm Mike Massey, and uh, you know, you can catch me on Jiggy Jag TV and uh, see a few of my tricks up there. Thank you very much. Jiggy Jaguar. I never knew what freedom was until I saw you lose yours. Okay. That crap's not working. I guess. I guess it is working now. I don't want to stream anything. Lord. Welcome to the world famous Cheeky Jaguar Radio Broadcast. Coast to coast and boulder to boulder on TuneIn iTunes, Radio Loyalty, screw all this crap. Just screw all this. <laughs> I was trying to do something, but just fuck it. Fuck it, as uh, the great uh, Mean Gene Okerlund would say. Uh, get a hold of us online, cheekycheckwire.com. Let's just do this. Let's just go to the boys. Uh, Dan Perkins, Don Mazzella, the whole nine yards. Let's just call the gang. Call the gang, get the gang in here, as they say. Get the gang in here. And, Mr. and there is Dan Perkins, the fantastic Dan Perkins. How are you, sir? I'm just absolutely over overjoyed. the moon. <laughs> overjoyed, overjoyed works. Yeah. Overjoyed. <laughs> and uh, Dan's going to join us along with IQ Al Rizzoli and uh, hopefully our good buddy, Mr. Uh, Don Mazzella, the big star. Uh, here in just a few seconds, and we are going to attempt to uh, get a hold of possibly our guest. But uh, Dan has uh, has joined us, and uh, Dan, uh, it there's Don. Look at that. Ah, uh, here I am, right on cue. And there's a here I I'm, is. Uh, here I is. <laughs> and there is there is hey, IQ hey, Arizoli hey, as well. What are you going off to the Exotica uh, convention to do? Oogle the girls? <laughs> We are going to go out and do interviews, and this is going to be a hell of a deal. <laughs> because, you know what's funny is they have an Exotica convention in New Jersey, I believe, later on I in the year. I know they do. <laughs> uh, I covered the very first one in Las Vegas about 23 years ago. Uh, when It's usually held in, conjun- it was held in conjunction with the video. Uh, uh, oh, the Adult Video News Awards. Yes. Anyway, <laughs> we've been so, we've been to those too, but but I I've heard that Exotica is not as buttoned up as the uh, as as the uh, as the ABNs. No. Um, 
I, I, I guess Ron Jeremy, who is who is sort of like the Elvis Presley of porn, uh, he has been banned from the proceedings. Uh, so, <laughs> so he may never come back, Jiggy. <laughs> he may. Who knows? Who knows what is going on? But I do know what is going on. Uh, we have all sorts of things to discuss today with the guys. And uh, first of all, I, I, I want to talk about. I want to start with IQR Rizzoli, and uh, uh, this this is sort of in Dan's wheelhouse. But uh, tell us a little bit about this uh, this crown prince of Saudi Arabia. He says that Israel has the right to its land. What do you make of this, IQ? Well, Israel doesn't need uh, an Arab or anybody else to tell her that she has the right to the land. But what we are saying is uh, Saudi Arabia in the last 15 years said that they will recognize the right of Israel to exist as long as they make peace with the Palestinians. It's not a new thing at all. This is not a new thing. The Saudis put forth a version of the peace treaty. But again and again and again, it comes to one problem. The Palestinians say they have the right of return, which means to extinguish Israel. Uh, I'm sure Israelis will not accept it. So that's the end of the conversation. So now what they want to do is they failed in raising 100,000 people to go to the border with Gaza. That's only Absolutely amazing. <laughs> I don't know whose cell phone that was, but I love that ringtone. Um, <laughs> it was mine, Jim. I'm sorry. <laughs> I just like the ringtone. <laughs> I love the ringtone. Now, um, now, now, Dan. Yes. Kind of follow up on what IQ is saying, because I know that you've been speaking on uh, national radio and, and television about this topic as well. I did last night at 11.20, I did uh, Breitbart and um, Sirius Satellite Radio on this very subject. Um, the, um, the world is, has been made a, a, a more unsafe place by previous administrations who refused to deal with North Korea, who capitulated big time to Iran, and then finally um, stood in the, uh, the path of bringing the Middle East to a solution by never, never declaring that the capital of Israel was Jerusalem. So now we have a situation where Mr. Trump, uh, and rightfully so, called out all his previous predecessors who refused to do anything about this and basically said, you know, We've been kicking the can down the road a long time. I'm going to step up and see if I can fix it. He's going to meet in Helsinki with uh, Kim. Um, and he has, uh, relatively close to that time, the responsibility to certify the compliance of Iran to the Memorandum of Understanding. It's not a treaty because it was never ratified by the Senate. At the same time, he's also, through his son-in-law, Jared Kushner, I believe, working to try and create some kind of a dialogue 
so he's attacking three spots in the world. And my small brain is saying that it's going to be a, a triple jump in dominoes or in, in checkers. I think that he's going to get some significant concessions from North Korea as far as dismantling in order to get the sanctions from China and the United States and bring desperately needed revenue, food, and everything else to his people. Uh, and that framework of a nuclear terrorist state could be used if he decides to decertify what's going on in Iran. And so that framework could also be used in Iran. Third, there are discussions going on quietly between Trump representatives and both the Palestinians and the Israelis. But I think that the message that the, the, the future king of the kingdom was telling the world that um, Israel is in a, has, has to be an, an important stabilizing force in the Middle East. And he wants the Israelis to have his back. As we've talked about so many times on this show, and I am, I am not the expert that IQ is, but the confrontation between Shia and Sunni goes back centuries. Uh, and we've got Saudi Arabia, which is Sunni, and Iran, which is Shia. Um, there is no love lost between. And I think that the Saudis are bringing about reforms, or trying to bring about reforms, and the Wood King, uh, in changing the culture and changing things as it relates to women, uh, economic opportunities, the, the selling of a portion of Aramico to raise money to diversify the economy. All these things are in play at the moment, and how Mr. Trump plays the checkerboard could be absolutely amazing for him and for the world. Don, you agree IQ, give, IQ give, or not? Don or IQ, give us your take on this. I, I, cannot, I cannot disagree with anything he's saying. It's perfectly true, and Trump is playing a three-dimensional chess, honestly. That's what I look at it, three-dimensional chess. I agree. If one of them succeeds, it's better than nothing. If even yeah. one of them. And I believe Korea will be the Trump card. No pun intended. <laughs> yeah, not pun, you're right. No pun intended, yeah. Right. Brother Don. Don, well, Don, Don I don't don't know. It, it's very hard to disagree with you, uh, you fellows. Um, uh, I think the timing is also uh, is also important. Um, we're, we're starting, you know, the Easter recess. Recess. The end of it begins the uh, period for the um, run up to the uh, fall elections, and I think uh, uh, everybody is looking at them and saying, "How can um, how can we score the most points um, in, uh, in the election cycle to help our party?" And I think, um, uh, well, well, I myself don't know exactly what party uh, President Trump belongs to, but um, uh, I, I, do, I do believe he will try to really make, a, a, to use Dan's word, a, a grand slam out of all of, all of uh, these moving parts. And I think he'll try to do it 
uh, before he goes on vacation in August. Um, but uh, I think the major breakthrough will come uh, in October, where I, uh, where I think uh, Mr. Mueller will finally release uh, whatever report he's going to release, and uh, uh, President Trump is, is setting up uh, something to, uh, uh, again, uh, to Trump. Uh, that that's my take on it. But well, the way Dan outlined it is just about uh, how most people would would look at at the situation. Gentlemen, question: Hamas is going to disrupt all this by having three hundred thousand people going to the Gaza border. Dan, what do you think Israel should do? Well, um, that's that's a great question, IQ. Um, I, I would be. Um, it, the 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 illustration that I would use to to illustrate how I'm going to answer your question, IQ, is uh, I'm going to use NBC and CBS. NBC estimated that the crowd of young people in Washington D.C. for the weekend protest was 850,000 people. CBS reported it was 250,000 people. So huge disparity. Um, I'm I'm not sure that there aren't an awful lot of common folk, if I can use that word, IQ, uh, simple people who are fed up. I mean, in the, in the interview that I did last night, I said, look at the pictures. Look at the pictures of Syria and Iraq where all of this fighting has taken place. Who would want to live there? The, the, the destruction of property, of homes and businesses and roads and airports and infrastructure, it's all gone. And I'm, I'm, I would be surprised, IQ, that they would get 300,000 people to want to go to the border. Uh, I think... They have seen the destruction of their families, their property, and their lives, and I think they're 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 running out of gas. IQ, you're absolutely right. But here, not, we're not discussing logic here. What would happen if they fifty thousand and they attempt to cross the border? What should Israel do? That's my question. When somebody is infringing upon your own territory. And they are pretending to be civilians, and they're not civilians. What would you do to protect Well, that, again, that's, that's a great question, because let me bring it back to our country. You may have seen the news recently that there is a caravan of people coming from Honduras, right. something yeah. north of a thousand people, working yeah. their way north to come and flood across the border. And the question that's being asked of Mr. Trump, what are you going to do? Are you going to let these thousand illegals cross the border or are you going to do something about it? And Mr. Trump told us today and yesterday, I'm going to move the military to the border. Now, depending upon the action of the insurgents trying to come across the border, I think it's possible that some just might die. I would say, IQ, if it's 50,000 people, I suspect that the Israeli military 
will be engaged and do everything they have to do to protect their country. I yes. think that they can use rubber bullets and they can use tear gas and other things that they don't have to kill people, but I think they have the right to defend their border. You're absolutely right. But look what happened only recently. They killed 17 or 18 people. Ten of them were jihadis. Who said they were jihadis? Hamas said they were jihadis. And yet the European Union tells Israel proportional. What is proportional? How is it proportional when somebody is attacking your own territory with weapons, with Molotov cocktails, with burning things, and trying to invade you? Honestly, in any other country except the West, they will shoot them all dead. I kill you. You're simply not understanding that the, the media and the people just uh, feel that uh, if one person dies, I mean, look, uh, a, a woman at this protest, uh, I think it was in Oregon, uh, where, where the, uh, the deputy's car accidentally uh, ran into her. I mean, you, you would think that she, um, uh, you know, there was a national calamity. If the Israelis kill 10 people, it, uh, you will see it go to the United Nations. Um, it's, 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 it did. And Nikki Haley switched it off. It went to, you're absolutely right, it did go to the United Nations. But Nikki Haley said, hey, what garbage are you talking about? It's irrelevant. But that's well, it's not irrelevant to the, to the Palestinians, and it's certainly not irrelevant to the uh, uh, Israelis. It's unfortunate. Um, uh, I don't know whether somebody comes up with these ideas, and the worst part about it is our media gives gives them credibility by reporting them. You know, if you went out on the street IQ and said you were going to bring uh, 10,000 people uh, across the border, uh, it wouldn't mean a thing until somebody reported it. But I'll tell you something else. I don't know if you know this. As of today, London has had more murders than New York yes. without a single, most of them were killed with knives. Can you believe that? London had more murders than New York with right. knives. I saw that this morning on Drudge, you're right. First time in, in maybe almost forever that London was a more dangerous city. In, in 200 city. years, in fact. No. If you if you let lawless people in, you, you you're letting um, uh, the legal system under threat. We all know that. Trouble is, uh, uh, pe people aren't doing enough about it. So so IQ, let me ask you a follow up question to your your issue. What do they What do the three hundred thousand or fifty thousand people hope to achieve by attacking the Israeli border? Ah, invade. So you you think they want to invade Jewish yes, territory? Yes, yes. Okay. Invade the territory, spread all over the place, and to be hunted by the Israelis. It's pure disruption, obviously. I'll tell you, I know for a fact, if it was happening between, let's say, India and China, the Chinese would kill everybody. <laughs> if it was between China and India, the Indians would kill everybody. I mean, it's a matter of self-defense. It's not even negotiable. Somebody crossing my border with mass number, by the way, Gaddafi 
before he was murdered. He wanted to invade uh, Egypt with a lot of hundreds of thousands of uh, Libyans when Jamal Abdel Nasser was in control to unite the two nations. Jamal Abdel Nasser, another Arab, another Muslim, told him, don't do that because I'll kill them. I'll kill them. And they didn't do it. Look, I to me it's not negotiable, but I'm talking in a world which is upside down today. It's completely upside down with the news media. Hmm. They will blame Israel, not Hamas. You know, uh, gentlemen, uh, I can't help but but thinking here. You know, you know, the westward expansion of the United States has essentially been essentially been done by uh, pe uh, people trudging onto other people's lands as we move the steadily westward. Uh, we call that uh, uh, westward expansion or growth. Now, now we're saying that the uh, Palestinians did it. Uh, it, it's an invasion. Yet, uh, if you look at it from the Indians' point of view, uh, they were invaded. Well, I, I, from, I from think the that American point of view, you're absolutely right. But in, <laughs> I mean, is there really any difference between what these people want to do and what we <clears throat> what we did to the Indians? Yes, of course, good God. Where are the Arabs from, for God's sake? They were not in Palestine. They were not in the Holy Land. They were not in North Africa. They were not in, they were not in my country, Iraq. They're not indigenous. They conquered it. It doesn't matter they conquered it 1,400 years, but they subjugated it for 1,400 years. So well, that, that doesn't give them the right to continue, good God. No, it's not the same. Arab is called an Arab because he came from the Arabian Peninsula, not because he came from Syria, not because he came from Iraq, not because he came from Palestine. It's so simple. It's not complicated. You can't equate the two. The Native no, Americans were there for God knows for 40,000 years. But the Arabs were not there for 40,000 years. They conquered it. They conquered Iran. They conquered North Africa. They conquered Persia. They conquered... India, and they subjugated them, and they turned them into Muslims by force. Only by I'm, force. I'm not arguing. I'm just saying it's just a, somebody's going to bring it up. What's the difference between um, white Anglo-Saxons moving westward into the Indian lands, and the same with the Palestinians trying to go into uh, Israel? Okay. The only difference is Israel has the capability of protecting uh, its country, and the Indians did not. Absolutely. But, I mean, again, I will bring out the same thing. The Europeans conquered and subjugated the whole of the Americas. That's a fact. The Arabs conquered and subjugated the Middle East. Whether they are right or wrong is irrelevant now. Israel exists. Israel, the Jews, went back to their homeland, at least part of it. The Palestinians, their homeland is, Iran, is Arabia. They say they are Arabs. Okay, if you are Arab, what are you doing in the Holy Land? They conquered from whom? Not only from the Jews, they conquered from the Byzantine Empire. What were the Byzantine Empire? Christians. The whole North Africa, by the way, the whole of North Africa is to be Christian. Now it's all Muslim. Nazareth is to be Christian. Now it's Muslim. 
Lebanon used to be majority Christian, now it's Muslim. Bethlehem used to be Christian, now it's Muslim. Does that justify? The answer is no. We have to stop them. And you know what? The movement in Europe now, among the people, not the leaders, the leaders are the criminals, and they will have to pay for it in the end. But the movement within the people, they've had enough. They've had enough. They have but it, isn't it the fate of history that the leaders make mistakes, but the people pay for it? Correct, but this time, the people will make the leaders pay for it. Well, let's hope so. I agree with you. I hope so, honestly. I would put them on trial, fair and fair and square. But when they are convicted of treason to be executed, I don't care who they are. Starting with Angela Merkel. There was another article today, uh, along with the uh, the one we just talked about, about um, what what the legacy of Andrea Merkel will be. And uh, it was not a very flattering article. It talked about how the decisions that she made will impact Germany and Europe for decades to come. And... Um, and, and she may single-handedly be responsible for the, de the, the ultimate decline of, of the European culture converting to a pure Muslim culture. Um, also, that she has, she, uh, and I knew this, and, and I, may have, I may have talked about it, um, Eastern Europe all the way over to the ocean, to Western Europe, depends greatly on Russian oil and natural gas to drive their factories, their homes, and their businesses. And apparently, uh, unbeknownst to a lot of people, Merkel has made quite a few concessions to Putin in order to try and keep the flow of energy into her country over other parts of Europe. And... Um, and what IQ was talking about, the, the, the revolt within uh, Europe uh, of the Europeans being concerned, not only that the European Union is destroying their culture, but the influx of Arabs and their population growth is destroying the culture of Europe. So uh, it, it really is a, a serious problem and uh, the the once it appears that the once mighty German Empire, after reunification, may be crumbling again. You are not far off from the truth, by the way. It's, it's happening. I'll tell you something else. I was watching a program of an interview, intimate interview in Russian, between a Russian reporter and Putin, and it was one hour plus long, and long and in literally the last segment I got the shock of my life he was discussing Islam even Putin doesn't know Islam I honestly was so shocked you have no idea he said there is moderate Islam I tell you I switched off I switched off I couldn't continue how could anybody who is a leader who has Muslims destroying Russia from within and from without, speak about moderate Muslims. I honestly couldn't take it. Uh, I IQ, I have written many, many commentaries. 
on the fact that our politicians in Washington, D.C. and in the state and local governments do not understand the Muslim faith. They do not understand, as you have pointed out so many times, the lack of assimilation that the, the culture and the religion do not allow for assimilation with Christians and Jews, and the ignorance on the part of many of the people in elected office at all levels of government who have no experience with the Quran, no experience with Sharia law, and understanding what motivates and drives these people. Can I jump in here? Uh, uh, a week and a half ago, I taught, taught my class at Columbia of high school students from around the um, country. And I, um, uh, uh, knowing of uh, my, uh, my friendship with IQ, I asked them, because IQ always asks, how many of them had read the Quran? And I was surprised. Um, well, uh, admittedly, this is, uh, these are the cream of the crop students. But uh, I was surprised, as I told IQ, that over 30% had read some or all of the Quran uh, in an attempt to understand it. I, I found that um, eye-opening, and I thought it was interesting. Um, so there's hope for us, after all. If, if by knowing your enemy, you can uh, better protect yourself against them. But I thought that was interesting. Donald, you're always the optimist. Reading the Quran doesn't mean they understood what they read. <laughs> you should ask them, what did you understand? Then you would know out of the 30% whether they got it or they didn't get it, honestly. Reading the Quran, it depends which part of the Quran you're reading. You read, for example, the early verses, oh, it sounds really nice. You have your religion, I have my religion. There's no compassion in religion, blah, blah, blah. You think it's fantastic. But you don't read those people reading these books, they don't realize that these have been abrogated. They are, although in the Quran, they are made null and void by the later verses. No, you're right, 30%, fantastic, beautiful. But did they understand? And the answer, I'll tell you what, maybe 1% of them did. Honestly, oh. I'm IQ, I got uh, to uh, tell you, till I met you, I thought I understood it. But now I, I barely uh, skimmed the surface. Uh, one of the reasons I go on this program is to learn more and more. God bless you for telling the truth. Because I'm telling you, reading the Quran is not an answer. Understanding what they're reading is the answer. And they don't need me, honestly. They don't need me. As long as they know that the verses of the earlier verses have been abrogated by the later verses, then they will have the whole picture. Because every imam deceives every single infidel on earth, quoting only the earlier verses. They never quote the destructive verses. You done. Well, I, I, I agree. I mean, I, I've been reading it for, for me for a long time. Uh, and um, I learned, as Don said, I learned, I learned more from you uh, by understanding uh, and understanding the mindset, the culture, the history, and the heritage. And, and I, I do believe, though, IQ, that the, the thing that I, as an American citizen, believe that is the most damaging about the rules of that religion is 
they are at absolute odds with what made America great. And that was the ability from people from all walks of life, from all nations, come into the melting pot and assimilate together. When I have a group of people who refuse to assimilate, then I go back to Abraham Lincoln's house divided speech and a, and a house divided against itself cannot stand. Absolutely. And, and, and that's where we're, where we're headed today is that we are dividing our country. And, and part of that is a function of the political correctness of the left. And, um, I listened last night and I was, uh, before I was doing the, uh, uh, Breitbart, um, there were a couple of people on Laura Ingham's show, and they were talking about um, the Democratic Party in the United States. The, the Republican operative says it's a, a party of Obamacare, it's a party of higher taxes and bigger government. And, uh, and, the, and the moniker, the person that epitomizes that philosophy more than any other Democrat in the United States is Hillary Clinton. And I, uh, I'm, I'm beginning to hear, I wrote at least a month ago that I think that she's, she's the victim that's going to win the Democratic nomination for president in 2020. If, if she, if, unless her health doesn't hold up or she's in an orange jumpsuit being perk walked to jail. If, none of, if neither of those two things happen, I think she's building the base. Uh, she continues, and a lot of people, are, a lot of Democrats are saying, why doesn't she just go away? Because if she goes away, who do they have to lead the party? Nancy Pelosi? I don't think so. Chuck Schumer? Not a very charismatic person. So the Democratic Party is very short, and, and with anybody to come up on the national scene, and the 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 destruction uh, that Mr. Obama did with his socialist agenda is going to be hard for a Democrat to run on that agenda, but they can't get out of their way to go someplace else. And so I think that that they're vulnerable. I, I believe the election outcome in November is going to be more devastating than the Democrats are willing to admit today. And especially if Mr. Trump is, as we talked about, has some success in North Korea, Palestine, and Iran, uh, it's going to be very difficult for the Democrats to win. And I think that that what Mr. Trump is doing, which I think is a, is a terrific thing, is that he's keeping those issues in the forefront of the people. He's doing it to make America secure. And to talk about what's going on in North Korea talking about what's going on in the Middle East and what's going on at our southern border, potentially, or what's going on in, in Iran. Um, by keeping it in the limelight, it gives him an opportunity to continue to bond with the American people, and they believe what he's saying is right. His, his approval rating now is higher than 50%, and um, the Democrats, the Democrats don't want that. And if, if I'm right, and I've, I've written about this too, if he gets success in North Korea only, doesn't get any success with the Middle East or with Iran, 
I think he gets a he gets a shot. As much as they would not like to give it to him, he's got a shot at winning the Nobel Peace Prize, which destroys the Democratic Party because they can't cl- claim that he doesn't deserve it when their guy got it and didn't do anything for it. <laughs> uh, that's a little stretch, Dan. That's a little stretch. <laughs> not that he may not deserve it, but uh, if you knew the politics of the uh, of the Nobel Committee, if you uh, you read some of their things, but uh, but uh, I I'll make you a, a prediction. I heard last night, which I found astonishing, is that President Trump will not run for a second term. Mm. Um, and and um, the 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 reasons. Um, and again, I'm I'm just throwing out what I I heard uh, last night from a fairly good source that Democrat um, or Republican. Uh, a news source. Okay. Uh, well, Democrat or Republican. Well, a, a guy, a guy that uh, that I, a guy that's been around almost, uh, in fact, longer than me. So uh, and uh, is uh, domiciled in Washington, and uh, seen uh, presidents come or go, come and go. But uh, what what he said to me was very interesting. He said, uh, what, "What people don't understand about Donald Trump is that once he sees how something's done, he loses interest." And uh, um, uh, the presidency is a very tiring thing. It, it, uh, if you look at Obama leaving office and when he came into office, he's a shadow of the man. And uh, 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 what he was saying is not that uh, Trump could not win. He thought he could win a second term. But uh, President Trump is going to say, you know, it ain't worth it. Um, it ain't worth four more years of my, my life. It ain't, ain't going to. Uh, worth uh, worth all of this, and and he's and he's gonna uh, make it a one-term president. Um, uh, whatever you want to say, uh, say I'm just passing on something which I found very interesting and very eye-opening. And uh, anybody want to comment? Uh, love to hear it. Well, well I, I I can I can certainly uh, equate to. Uh, there are many people that uh, I've known, including myself, that have a accelerated learning curve. And when they get to um, 90% of what they need to, to form to perform at their peak in their job, once they get to that 90% saturation point, they're not they're not really willing to invest to try and get the last 10%. They're looking to do something else. I mean, I look at my, my career of how many times I've reinvented myself into doing something totally different that I hadn't done before. Um, but I, I, I think that um, unlike Mr. Trump, um, Mr. Trump has a different motivation. And uh, I think that what he's trying to do is make this country great again. And I would be surprised that he would say he's done enough and he wants to walk away. Uh, I just don't see him 
giving up the fight for whatever he believes in to make unless the country unless the country has such a phenomenal recovery and the amount of wealth generation for everybody is off the charts then maybe he might do that but if there's still work to do still problems to be solved deals to be made I'll tell, you, I, I'll tell you, Dan, a very wise man told me something. He said, walk off the stage while they're still applauding. Uh, and uh, uh, it's interesting. This gentleman last night uh, said this, the same thing to me in different words, but the same thing. If he, if he accomplishes um, five of the, the ten things he said he wanted to do, the smart thing would would be to uh, um, uh, to, to give up the presidency. Um, I I go back to President Polk, the one-term uh, uh, president who said I want uh, came to office saying he would do four things. He did it and went home to Tennessee and promptly died. But um, um, it's just something to think about, Dan. But if you go back, if you go back in time, go back, uh, go back in the modern area, go back to uh, Woodrow Wilson and come forward. Uh, there was any any two term president never left the stage on a high. They left yeah, the yeah. They left the they left the stage, and Roosevelt was on the stage for four terms. Jimmy Carter had one term, and he did not leave in the best of graces. Even Ronald Reagan, his second year, his second term, wasn't as uh, prolific as his first term. But he had a job. He thought, felt he had a job to do, and he needed to do it. But, you know, the idea that a president will walk away, um, you know, George W. Uh, left the country in the face of this tremendous financial crisis in 2008 um he could have he could have not run for re-election and um live and 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 what he did after 9-11 he probably could have left be the guy who could have left on a high but barack obama destroyed the country bill clinton destroyed the country um and on and on and on uh, George, uh, George Bush, George Herbert Walker Bush, Bush 41, um, had problems. Uh, and so that it's, it's, it's tough to figure out when you're on your high, when you're, when you have the only job in the world to be president of the United States, the most powerful nation in the world. That's, that's an ego trip that none of us could ever possibly deal with. How are you going to get that? How are you going to give up riding on Air Force One? Yeah, <laughs> and have all the people that are waiting for Again. you and, and everybody. Yes, Mr. President. Yes, Mr. President. All those things that that. Um, are going on as your president of the United States, and then you walk away from that, um, whether it's one term or two terms. Well, I'll tell you That'd the guy that did job. it. What? I'm sorry, I spoke I over somebody. I didn't hear you. 
No, no I, I spoke over somebody. I was just going to say, the one person that did it that seemed to enjoy himself was Harry Truman. He, he said a great line. He said he thought the president was a servant of the people, and when he left the White House, he thought he got promoted. Uh, I, I, I often quote that line because I think it, it really talks about uh, what kind of a, a, a man Truman was, a man who grew into the job, uh, uh, fairly quickly, and who knew, and and he said, "I'm not going to run for again." He could have run in '72 and in '52, uh, but he didn't. Legally, he could have, could, and he didn't. So, uh, but the, he enjoyed. It was interesting. He and he really enjoyed leaving the White House. So, uh, but I again, I brought brought it up only because. Um, uh, the the source the uh, is one I really respect, and he gave gave me uh, a fairly interesting um, uh, viewpoint on pres on Trump on President Trump. And do you have a counter viewpoint? Do you did you come back to him and say, well, what about this, this, and this, or do you just listen to what he had to say? I, I always I always. Uh, um, uh, I listened. You know, I hadn't really thought much about it one way or the other. It's uh, way too early. We got too much to do in the, this term. But um, but I I thought it was interesting. And uh, uh, but if you review what type of man uh, Trump, is, President Trump is, you, you know, it, um, it's it's quite it's quite possible. The thing we do know about him is uh, uh, he loses interest. Um, he loses his friend, uh, friends and uh, colleagues. I mean, his line about uh, you're fired is um, uh, there's more truth to that. And, uh, and sometimes he fire, uh, um, uh, fires himself. Um, so you never know. But uh, I, I thought I, we'd bring it up. I'd bring it up. You want to go yeah. on to another topic, Jiggy? Yes, yes, indeed. We've got uh, Don Mazzella with us today. We also have Dan Perkins and IQ Al Rizzoli joining us today here on iHeartRadio and AMFM247.com as well. And um, IQ, there there seems to be a lot uh, going on over overseas. Um, what are some stories that folks are not talking about besides some of the things going on in the Middle East? Give us your take on these. Forget about the Middle East. Another thing came up to me. Uh, Pope Francis has a revolution on his hand now. There is a rebellion. They want to impeach him. Don't take my word for it. Double check this. There is a rebellion. When he started more, talking more about politics and international globalism and not the Catholic uh, religion, uh, there is a re revolt now. He has been threatened by impeachment. That's what I heard. From Italy, by the way. You can uh, I, I would say to you that there was an article that I saw last Friday. Uh, uh, strange that it was Good Friday, but it was last Friday. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. 
And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware.